Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Along to the Wise Men Say podcast, we have a five star showing to talk about. Been a while since we could say that, and we're going to enjoy getting stuck into that as well as reflecting on what was a quite mad couple of days uh, around transfer deadline day. So, joining myself, Stephen Goldsmith, as always, full of beans, no doubt, after a, after a memorable win like that, is Gareth Barker. Good evening. Good evening, Hello. indeed. How are you doing? How are okay. you doing? Sun's out, 5 0 win of the weekend. Yeah, it's hot. We, it's we hot, can't isn't we, it? we can't put a negative spin yeah. on this one. Hot. You know, and that's the problem. Imagine that's being a, a kid be, being off like all summer, just raining every day, and now it's like Yeah, no. Now it's like roasting well, serves them right. The kids are irritating, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> serves them right for being kids. Exactly. Serves them right agree. serves them right far from the whole future in front of them. Exactly. I agree. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yes. Yes. Little twats. Right. Um <laughs> Also joining us is uh, James Hunter from the Evening Chronicle. Good to have you with us, James. Good evening, gentlemen. Nice to nice to be here. Nice to Good. nice to hear Gareth's uh, cheery as ever. He's just st- stamped on all the kids' toys. <laughs> well, I haven't stamped on the toys. <laughs> em- just, emptied the paddling uh, pool. <laughs> wow. Oh God, drain the paddling pool. There's a, there's a a job. <laughs> Which, uh, if you've got one of those large paddling pools, then uh, it's a nightmare. So yeah, don't get one of them. They just call. Well, we haven't uh, we haven't had the supper for it to be fair. No. Um, so yeah, could have an empty uh, one. Out well, anyway. In. Mm, anyway, excuse the yeah. car, um, oh, motorbike or whatever that was going past my garden. Didn't hear um, All right, well that's good then because I, I have had to move inside previously because of the background noises. So hopefully nobody gets the lawnmower out any any minute now because that has happened before as well. Um, but like I said to you before we start recording, it's probably the safest place for me to do it because there'll be something in every room of the house. So we'll try and get through it before any of that happens. Uh, you recovered, James, from, from you know quite a manic couple of days around the transfer deadline, which we'll get on to the second half. I want to do talk, want to talk about the match before that. But it was a nice win to take to sort of take you down from there. It was. I mean, it was a long day on Friday. I was just saying to Gareth there before we started the podcast, my, my day started at about nine o'clock in the morning and went on until two o'clock on Saturday morning and then obviously up early for the early kickoff. Um, and the only good thing I can say is, thank goodness it wasn't Southampton away because that would have been a killer. Oh, um, yeah. but, you, would have, uh, you would have had to be yourself down there and do the transfer deadline I would have stuff had to down have done there. That. Yeah. yeah, I would have had, I've had, had to have done that. But uh, yeah, so it was a long old day and then Saturday and uh, whatnot. But I've now got uh, a week off so and I've got a week off to recover. Mm. I'll be honest, you know, this was the one that people were looking at thinking, oof, that's a tricky one. 
um, so early in the season. Obviously, we lost our first two games. We've recovered, haven't we? Um, beaten Rotherham, drawn away company, which was a good result away from home. They're one of the fancy teams, and we played well in what was pretty much a 50-50 game, I would say. Um, and then you've got Southampton coming in, who started the season really well. And uh, I think we kicked off and gave the ball away, didn't we? Conceded a corner. And I wonder yeah. how many people at that point were thinking, oh... This is going to be a long afternoon, this one. Long and, then, afternoon. Of course, and then, of course, the opposite sensation happens because 30 seconds later, it's, it's in the back of their net. And it was just all, it, it was all go from that point. It was all part all part of the plan, Stephen. <laughs> you know, the idea was to give the ball to Dennis Sirkin early, let him lose it and give Southampton a corner <laughs> and then break on them from the first set piece. You know, I mean, they don't work all week on nothing, you know. The, these are the things, these are the plans that they lay <laughs> and the traps that they set, I think. That would well, be a great what, uh, trap. If you were, if you were meticulous and you would set traps where you prepared to give away corners in the first yeah. minute, that would be very impressive. Uh, but all <laughs> joking aside, the, play, the players have all acknowledged Mowbray after that, after having that, that yeah. this game plan was was fed into them. I know a lot of people were suggesting that I want to tune it up or remember Bernie last season, and I'll be lying if that didn't enter my mind for a little bit. But actually, I was talking to one of the lads I sit with, and we were saying, I think the difference here is that Burnley one did feel like those two goals were like smash and grab at the time. Although Southampton had all the ball, every time we went forward, we looked like we were going to score and you had no reason to 2-0 I think that was going to change. Yeah, I mean, if you remember that... all over the place, weren't they? Yeah, and in that Burnley game, if you if you remember, Sunderland were all over Burnley in the first half and you wondered how it was only 2-0 at half-time. It could have been, mm-hmm. could have been more. Um, they, were, they were terrible in the first half. But Southampton, I thought, just looked really lethargic and, and quite slow. Um, they weren't at all what I expected. Somebody had said to me in the build-up to the game, somebody that uh, is involved in the sort of preparation from Sunderland, that, that Southampton are, you know, don't work hard enough off the ball. And that was something that stood out to uh, uh, to them when they were researching it. And, uh, you know, so it, so it proved. And Russell Martin said afterwards, you know, if you don't, say, you don't run hard well, enough. Yeah. yeah, so somebody said that to me beforehand. Um, I must admit, I... Like most people, I haven't seen much of Southampton before they came up up here. So to actually see, you know, this preparation that, that these people do, you know, that they're not just uh, plucking things out of fresh air. You know, these are you know real weaknesses and strengths that they identify. I don't think anybody expected Sunderland to dominate possession against uh, a Russell Martin team. Um, so it was a way. It had to be one of those games where you found a way to. To win it without um, without dominating the ball, and, and Sunderland certainly did that. Yeah, I think we had, clearly had that plan was, you know, Bar and, and Dak were almost kind of like the free the free players when they were pressing us and high in our half, and it was almost they just when we're going to go and sit in these areas, and if we get the ball back. We've got options to hit, and they were like the first two points, like port of call, really, because um, they were just in acres of space. And then we were just building the attacks, getting Clark in down that left side uh, on the overlap. And it was, we were just away every time. Um, it was pretty naive from Southampton, really. I mean, the defending for the first goal was laughable, really, wasn't it? I mean, the ball, it's a good ball in, but it's travelled that distance and bounced and defenders that just don't know what's behind them. It, it was just, you know, but Bar did really well for that first goal to, to bring it away and then to play the switch and create the chance. And then, um, you know, really from there, you know, it was, it was, 
you know, they, they, everyone was up and you could just feel it was like a cloud had been lifted a bit. I don't know why. I mean, if you want to look deeply into it, I know Alan had mentioned it sort of briefly on the pod and on, on the reaction pod and on Twitter as well. I read some of the tweets about basically saying, I was like, as it just a cloud being lifted with the window being closed, you know, everyone knows where they are, where they stand. I don't know. Um, but just it felt it, like that. It, 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 in Clark's reaction, it felt like yeah. that when he when just, he went to the when he went to the crowd and started raising his hands like yeah. that. It felt like he was making some some sort of point there, and then, um, and we'll, like I say, we'll get out of that transfer stuff later. But they did, even with Equa as well, and in, in his celebration. I mean, I know again, the guys touched on that in the reaction pod, but um, it there was just something about the performance and about the players' um, message to the crowd at every opportunity to, to say like, don't no we're here we're here for you and everything's going to be all right um very Vieira like the celebrations from Mekwai I always remember I thought of that straight away at the Highbury one year when Vieira scored against us I think it might have been Peter Reid's last game but I could be wrong um and um Vieira was doing similar to the Arsenal crowd at Highbury I always remember blowing them kisses and bowing and and that stuff and that just weird because that celebration just took me back at that moment straight away. I'm gonna have to research see if that was Peter Reid's last game now. Um, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, we lost three yeah. nil, didn't we? Or three one. Yeah, three one maybe. Yeah. Did, did Craddock then, score for us? I can't know. remember, but I just remember the hour score and do that celebration. That's because that was, was at on, the game. I think it was on telly. Senior report. Well, was it? I don't know. I was there. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so um, lots. I mean, lots get stuck in. What what I would say about I know you say it was poor defending, but if Clark adds that to his game, James, where he's arriving at the back post and being a threat in the air, um, that is what will propel him from an outstanding championship player to to somebody or everybody in the Premier League is going to want. Because if you if your wide forwards can add that to the game, arriving in the box and scoring, and you become the ultimate package, don't you? If you can take a man yeah. on like he does. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing. I mean it was an excellent uh, cross from Trey Hume, and uh, I mean the lad. What was it? Idozi uh, switched off, didn't he? And uh, and he was dozy, and, yeah. Well, quite. Idozi um, dozed off, and uh, there was um, sort of Clark running on the blind side of him there. Um, but yeah, you you know you've got to be in the box. You've got to tuck in if you're the if you're on the far side. I mean, I I think you'll probably see. Clark do that more than you would see Patrick Roberts when he's fit on the other side. I don't think Patrick Roberts tends to be that guy at the, the far post. He's in and put a full back on his ass and head running in. If, you know. if the, <laughs> the roles were reversed, no, if it was coming in from the other side. But uh, but no, it, it was a fantastic way to start the game, you know, and it really it, it, it changed the mood because obviously with losing Ross Stewart the, the day before, I know he hadn't been playing and hadn't been playing for some time, but still, you know, losing Ross, Ross Stewart, uh, even though people were suspecting that that was probably going to happen. Um, it, it was still still a bit of a, a blow going into the game. Um, and then it's right, okay, how do you respond from from here? You've got none of your new signings um, involved because of the the, the the hour that they arrived at. Um, so nobody really knew where it was going to, um, uh, where, where it was going to take Sunderland from, from there. So to get that early goal, and then obviously another one so quickly afterwards from from Echo was just a you know a perfect start. And you know what, uh, Abdullah Bar could have killed it off with inside quarter of an hour. He had a great chance. Um, you know, three 0 up after I think it was about thirteen minutes, and that really would have been it. Um, as it was, the two goals. You think to yourself at that point. I was saying to uh, uh, Rob Mason that's sitting next to me. Um, you know, at that point two 0 Bearing in mind what you were saying about Burnley, 
you got the impression it was going to be the third goal that mattered. Who who got it? You know, uh, would it be Sunderland or if Southampton got it? What reaction would Sunderland have to that? Um, so to get it, um, I just felt like they looked right on the stroke. Yeah, they look so bad though. Like it, defensively, yeah. I was thinking actually, even at two 0 I was thinking even if they are going to really start throwing everything at us now, it's going to work into our hands because they yeah. look so. They, you know, they are going to give us chances because they're so chaotic at the back. They they aren't going to be able to shut up shop like Burnley did. That's why I said when become a bit of a smash and grab from their point of view. Yeah. Like they they, they never never seemed on the radar for them at all. Yeah. And Burnley and Mason, Hol- the, uh... Mason Holgate, Mason Holgate didn't look uh, didn't didn't look um, up to speed, did he? Uh, I think he made two or three big mistakes. Thrown in, wasn't he as well? Yeah. Against a good attacking yeah. team, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The uh, they didn't. Think, I know. I keep going going about that Burnley game because I think it crossed everyone's mind. But the they just didn't have that dynamism and attack that Burnley had in terms of individual quality. Where you had, they just didn't feel like they had a player who was going to, you know cut inside and wrap the ball in the top corner or like uh you know the lad Benson. did for, for Benson, Benson or the other lad yeah. on the on the left side I think it was who scored a, a brilliant goal in that game. It just didn't feel as though they had um they didn't have that Southampton I didn't feel. Um I mean it's interesting looking at their their team and thinking there's you know a lot of players who were playing the Premier League last year um in, in that team it just goes to show you, doesn't it? If you're not, if you're not prepared correctly, you know it doesn't matter how good you are as a footballer. You, if you get taken out of the game, technically, which is what we did to them, you, you know you can't influence it. And I think, yeah, it was it was yeah they dominated the ball, but really they didn't do anything other than that. They had a bit of a spell, didn't they? Sort of midway through the first half, where they had a bit of the ball around our box. Um, but it just never, like Stephen said, he always felt saying to me, Dad, like, kind of feels like we're going to get plenty of chances here today. So I'm not typically worried. And I wasn't surprised when Dak stuck that fourth away just after yeah. half time. And it could have, you know, if we'd, if we'd, you know, reversed that 8 0 from a few years ago, doesn't there could have been any complaints, to be been, honest. That would have been amazing. Like, wouldn't it? That would have been. I just, but, but it, it, you know, like, I thought their defending was, it was like saying to you, after the game, Stephen in the in the chat or the lads in the chat saying to me, it just it was like what like when we played like Rochdale or Tranmere or something like that in the in League One. That was a level. That was a level of their defensive capabilities and organisation. Um, it felt uh, they were sleepy and um, unable to cope um, with good quality players, and that that's that's just kind of how it. And it, you know, on some days you dominate a spell in the game, you don't take your chances, they get a chance, take it, it becomes frustrating. Obviously, we didn't give them an opportunity to, or a sniff to do a tuck. First two yeah. attempts on target pretty much go in, and then from there, you know, it's your day. I know they had a penalty, I think they should have had a penalty. I, I didn't see that in at the game, um, yeah, it's up the other end from me. Um, and after the game, they were saying, Oh, they should have had a pen, and I, I was like, For what? Um, but obviously, I saw it afterwards, and it was on VAR or something like that. It would have absolutely been a penalty. Um, yeah. But you know, we got a bit of luck there, I guess. I mean, we could have had probably some decisions. Well, two nil at that point, though, wasn't it? I think it was two. Yeah. 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 And it wouldn't have I mattered. Think I, I, they were, they were, I think they were so bad at the back, I wouldn't have mattered. I think as I think as well, it's one of those, and you've seen it loads of times where Sunderland have been the culprits rather than the beneficiaries. But 
you know, they, they had so many players that looked out of sorts and made big mistakes. So, you know, um, getting caught out um, for the first goal and a dozy um, caught napping there for the first one. For the second one, Holgate giving the ball away. And um, I don't think that, uh, um, you know, obviously there was the, the slight deflection, wasn't there, on on that one. Um, then from the for the third one, again, uh, I think they gave the ball away and um, and it was um, uh, the keeper. I thought the keeper was poor. Bazunu for the third one, went under his arm. Um, for the fourth one, Bradley Dak, Holgate switched off again. Ball came back in from Barr. Um, and Holgate was was um, caught napping this time. Dak snuck in to to tap it in. You know they, they were just even even the fifth one, Chris Rigg. You know in in, in injury time there, from where, how far out he was uh, to get that header in. Again, I thought Bazunu didn't cover himself in in glory there. So I there thought that was the only one. You know, sorry, go on. Yeah, because at the at the time at the match, I agreed, and I was like, the keepers have a bit of a shock right here. When I watched the goals yeah. back. I think there was only the fifth one, really. You could see the the Egwa one, the third one. I think it's like a, a really a really top class keeper saves, but he was unsighted. Like he, he oh. saw he saw that late because the angle, like that shot, never seemed on. When Egwa got the ball, everybody was thinking, "Well, play a bind," because Bar yeah. was making an overlapping run. That yeah. felt like a premeditated. One of the occasions where you're thinking, thing, "Don't shoot," and he's, he's cut in and whipped it, hasn't yeah. he? He's put some yeah. good whip on it. I think it was it looked premeditated, like where he's that looks like something where they've. He studied that and gone, you know, and the keeper wasn't ready, was he wasn't set for the shot, which I think yeah. why he's been beaten. I, I would say the only, I would say that one and the the fifth one, I would say, you know, probably the goals where you'd say. But he's made yeah, two he's really good. Better, he's right? made two really good saves as well in the second half. Yeah, yeah. it was all. Yeah. I mean, he made a couple. He, he, he made a really should, good I mean, one from Clark, and then I can't remember the other one was from. Dragon should have made... scored really in the first half as well, from where he's parried the duck free kick out. He's, oh, it yeah. wasn't that wasn't a great <laughs> save, and he's parried, he's yeah. parried it straight in the middle of the goal. I mean, Dak should have scored the header really that he that that he got on the, yeah. his second chance. It's good save goal. as well, though. It was all right. I mean, it was a mid height header, it's... middle of the goal. Just straight at him, wasn't it? You know, it yeah, was like he was on him. So, so quickly, any, anywhere else, and that was in. You know, so. Mm. Uh, but but I don't know. I think there were some there were some mistakes there, which which obviously you still have to capitalize on and exploit. Oh, yeah. You know, you, there's no gimmies. But uh, um, but but the point is, there were little there were individual errors there, which were they not made, it could have been very different. You know, had had those two early goals not gone in in the first seven minutes, then you know you're talking about a completely different game. But you, then you're into the realms of you know. Um, if some ifs, but some maybe. Yeah. So, well, yeah, there, was, there was there was there was fortune as well, like the one where Patterson's dropped it and it's gone yeah. inches and wide, the post. like inches yeah. wide. Like I'm behind that post. That's where I sit, and it was like how that didn't go in. And yeah. they're the kind of things you know. Imagine if that had been a nil nil, for example. What that does to like how that spreads through the team and stuff. Mm. And they've had a couple of headers that have just flashed wide as well on another day. Yeah. They go the other side of the post. It was one of those very much, wasn't it? Where like. They could have played all day, cliche alert, and just they just they just weren't gonna they just weren't gonna score. And on the other hand, we looked like we were gonna score every time we went forward. So, you know, had they looked like, look like, look like a team that needed Ross Stewart. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not sure they even created enough for him. Well, um, quite, I mean, quite funnily, I, I actually thought like Ross Stewart would have been good against them because he's really good at finding angles, and that's what yeah. seemed, their keeper seemed to struggle with. Um, well, I thought that the, like you look at the way they set up. They barely put a cross in all day. You kind of think if you're Ross Stewart, then 
you know, it's not like it's something where you, the wide players are get trying to get the line and get balls across. They were didn't really play that way. They, a lot of the attacks were trying to build through the middle. So I just thought it was quite interesting, wasn't it? I mean, they didn't really didn't really challenge us that way. And you'd think that's they, probably they Ross Stewart's change. strength. Yeah, they yeah. might change when Stewart's fit. Might they, they might change and do it a different way. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, it was good that um, is it Harwood Bellis? Is that, is that, is that yeah, yeah. Um, he, he was really good at Burnley last year, and um, obviously, I think he did he captain the under twenty one side that just won the Euros. He definitely played. Um, right. So he's of a high pedigree, like Man City have have got really high hopes for him. So it was good that he signed just too late because he would have made a a difference. So that's gone for us as well, as you say. Hockey thrown straight in from. Aside that he's had Sean Dyche as his manager, hasn't he? He's he's it's yeah. a different it's a different ball game entirely to what um Martin expects you to do with with his players. Um so a couple of um individual performances we'll touch on them again. I mean Pierre Equo obviously outstanding. It's got the two goals, I think, alongside him though. I thought Dan Neal was absolutely yeah. brilliant. He was the unofficial captain, I thought, in terms of the way he was you know, we were keeping shape when they were having spells of the ball and he was ordering everybody about. He was telling everybody where to stand. He was pointing to, to, to everybody and telling them where to be. And, like, he just didn't have that as part of his game so far. And as we've discussed many times, that's one one of the ones that he's been... He's been almost forced to bring that to his game, hasn't he? Because of the injury to Corey Evans. Yeah. But um, there was one point in the first half when he, got, he, he appeared to get a bit of a nosebleed when he got forward to the edge of the box and sort of dallied on the ball and give it away and I just hope that that side of his game doesn't go now because that can happen sometimes yeah. forward thinking players lose that if they if they play for an extended period of time um, doing the other side of the game like that that is a thing that does happen so hopefully I'm being dramatic with that and that doesn't happen but I just thought those two in, in midfield were considering the, how disciplined they had to be because of the way Southampton play and they yeah. would love nothing more just to keep the ball and drive forward every opportunity. And they had to be patient and they had to be disciplined. And I thought, I thought they were both brilliant. Yeah, outstanding. And I thought, and I thought Ab- Abdullah Bar had an excellent game as well. You know, by far his best game for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a couple of assists. Who, as you say, heavily involved in that first goal too, um, and could have scored him himself. So you know, he he had a, an excellent game. Um, really impressed with with him. Um, and it, and it obviously gives Tony Mowbray a dilemma now um, for the QPR game. If, as, as we assume, Patrick Roberts will be fit then, do you bring Patrick Roberts straight in? Which would seem very harsh on, on Barr. Um, but there again, you know, obviously Roberts is a is a key player too. So, well, you play, I, 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 well, just saying all through the game, imagine if Roberts was playing today, he'd have had a field day, I think. Yeah. But it's just you. Like, did you kill? Did you think, kill the kill the kid's confidence? That's the thing. Yeah, well, and, 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 well, and then you take like, him out. I think Bar, Bar stretched him with his with his like yeah. athleticism and his running, like work and the challenge, which Roberts wouldn't necessarily do. So you can see both sides of that. Like Gareth says, I think yes, you could imagine Roberts has been really good this season with beating his man and beating two and three men and getting the ball inside the box and pulling it back. And yes, he, he could have had a field day at that. But I think Bar's running and movement and all round application was significant in the way we kept breaking them and he offered something different. And I think yeah, he did. With, with, with respect, he, need, he, he kind of needed that performance because we discussed him and said it's, it's credit to the management team and the coach and staff to, 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 to do something with him because 
a game will come on to a later, but we have this policy of bringing players in almost regardless of what we need for the team. The good players, he was one who we didn't necessarily know how to use, and hopefully now, hopefully now we do know. How to well, use it's, good. That, it's good. For him. It's good for him. It's good for performance from breakthrough performance. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, may, well, maybe. I mean, it was you know, he's he's had a couple of good games. Um, you know, I think he did well at Norwich, didn't he? And when he got his his first goal, playing like in that sort of ten. Yeah, he did. Um, it just. You know, he's realistically he's he's not going to displace Roberts on the basis that the likelihood is if he played the next game and didn't do as well for the first 40, 50, 60 minutes of the game, then it would be can't believe we've dropped Roberts to play bar. He's you know one you know it's one game. You're suggesting the fans really are well. fickle. You're suggesting no. I'm football just football saying it's football. you know what would happen. You know what would happen. You say well why why you you know you're looking at Roberts who's played very well for a good spell of time. You know, against a player who's probably, if you don't know if that's his position, and he's playing. You know, he's he's had one good game, so I'm not the belittling Bar's performance. He was he was really good, um, and he got himself, you know, involved in the goals and stuff like that, which is exactly what you need from a wide player. Um, but you know, Roberts, you know, we're talking about selling, you know, Patrick Roberts for five, six, seven million quid on deadline day, so. You know, he, he he's a in the in this league he's up there probably with the best wide players, so you play him. So and it's harsh on Barr, but that's if Roberts was fit then Barr wouldn't have played. So um Yeah. And he, and Barr probably knows his role at the moment, to be fair. And I imagine they manage the situation pretty well in that respect. They've set an expectation for those players saying, Look, this is this is where you are at the moment, this is how you'll be utilized. But um, you know, you get opportunities, and he's had opportunities because he's had he's played the best part of forty championship games, and not, not starts, but he's been involved in forty championship games or so, which is quite a lot of games for you know nineteen year old lad, whatever he is. Um, you know, especially one who's come come over and never played um, English football before, especially in the championship. So he's had quite a he's had quite a a bit of time. Um. Yeah, I think you know you, you can't really see what you're saying about the confidence thing, but I think the way we are, the way they manage it, I think it's almost like I well, think we'll keep them in. You think they'll keep them in? I mean, one for later, isn't it? It's one for you know the preview seems ages away for that, but yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I, I think I think I think it's hard to change when you blew away a team like that five 0 Like James said, we have finally got a tune out of them. I think he would start him with the intention of bringing him off quite quickly into the second half, unless he's tearing it up and he and he can't be taken off. But I just would imagine that he, yeah, Roberts could come on. He's been injured. Okay. Give him yeah. give him I, half an hour, forty minutes. I think if you change it, I think if you win five nil and you change the team, then you leave yourself wide open to criticism, um, don't you? Because if you if you don't play well or you you draw or whatever, people say, "Oh, well, why did you change it? Everything worked really well." And that guy that that contributed a couple of assists and things uh, in the last game, uh, you didn't start him. Me personally, I would start with Bar, um, but be prepared to change it after a, after an hour because you can always say, "Well, Patrick Roberts has had this hamstring problem. He's not played since the twenty fourth or twenty sixth of August, whatever. He's not played for getting on for a month. So let's give him half an hour and then." You know, um, 
maybe start him in the following game, sort of ease him back in. Uh, that's your sort of natural route in yeah. for a manager. I mean, that's that's if he's not fully, yeah, fully fit. I understand that. I just think if you you pick you you pick your best players, that's what I kind of think. So yeah. you pick your best oh, well, players to to win the game, don't you? You pick yeah. your best players to win the game yeah, for the next for the next preview show. So yeah. so the lad thing Take note on that. <laughs> um, he won't be listening. So. Um, if you want to, actually, if you want to, te- if you want to text Matt on or seven seven and ask him his um, opinion while he's on holiday, then then go ahead. Yeah, we'll um, we'll quickly finish up on the match and talk about other stuff. Um, we said after the Coventry game, you know, despite not winning that game, we were having a chat afterwards and saying there wasn't one player in the starting eleven who you could criticise as such. Like that, I think they all had. All played well, all had good games, and this happened again. Which may, may you may think that's obvious if you win five 0 but it's not actually the case. Somebody can still have an off game. You can carry players, can't you? If you if the rest of the team are playing, but from a cost consistency point of view, this is what you want because there wasn't one single player who you even just see a course through the game and played average. Like I, I feel like Patson and that little mishap aside, because there's not much to judge him on. Um, every single player. Had a good game. Had a had a good strong seven, eight out of ten. I thought. I mean, if you win five nil, <laughs> no, but that's not always the case, though. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, it's no, you, you not, can have yeah. a couple of you can have a few sixes, and and win five nil. People who just do all right, do you know what I mean? But I, I think every player yeah. had a good game. Like, even if they weren't directly involved in like the goals, for yeah. example, the two I fullbacks, mean, could... the two, but ba- 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 Ballard comfortably his best game of the season. He was yeah. just like a. A man mountain in there, just blocked everything, tackled everything. When he got, when he it was went, all a heart down, attack. Yeah, uh, everyone was just like going, Danny Bart straight away. Everyone yeah. was going like, yeah. this is you why they shouldn't have got rid of Danny, Danny Bart. Danny Bart, Danny Bart, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's true. I yeah. mean, it's true to be fair. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's probably not. That's probably just discussion for the next half of the thing. I think before moving on, you should really touch on the uh, very wholesome fifth goal, which was. Uh, just, just funny all around, wasn't it? It was like, it was like kids, like you know, in the playground sort of thing. And it's like, it, it's funny that one of them was basically a, a, a kid. Like, like it's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? A six, a child, a sixteen-year-old. It, it's, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in like often, does it? I mean, as for a sixteen-year-old score. You know, in a in a professional league game, um, and looked so comfortable in the game as well when he came on, and then, you know, Bennett as well with his. I don't think the third um, Maradona turn was necessary, but I think because he got a big cheer on the first two, he yeah. was like, "Oh, I'll do it again." Yeah. I think he would have done another he one. Mis- he miscontrolled the, the third one, didn't he? he got he did, yeah. Out. <laughs> but um... then, and then the ball you know, was like sensational, wasn't it? I love the way he went off, kind of celebrating on his own, like about what he'd done, and that was quite nice, wasn't it? It was like it's yeah. nice to see, you know, ultimately the, the players play the game, and it'll get forgotten about in all the pressure, and you know, you're talking about contracts and transfers and all that. They play the game, you know, when you're a kid and you want to be a footballer, and these these people get the opportunity to do it because they're good enough to do it. Um, you know, he's travelled. Halfway across the world, three quarters away across the world, to try and be a footballer in England, and you know, it's nice to see somebody 
maybe some would go a bit overboard, overboard to celebrate the way he did or whatever. But at the same time, that's what it's about, isn't it? That's it's the the dream, isn't it? In your bedroom when you're a kid, one day maybe I'll do this, one day maybe I'll do that, and it'll be the same for Rig. You know, yeah. pretending to be whoever when you. I mean, when he was a kid, he probably was. I was going to say, Cal, yeah, yeah. Think about him, Char- you said. Yeah, pretend to be uh, Charlie White. <laughs> <laughs> think about yeah. him, you think he might have I'll been. Pretend, pretend I'll pretend to be, to be Danny Graham. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, but it's true, isn't it? It's like, and then there he is, sc- scoring a professional league goal at 16. Yeah. It's unfathomable when you think about when chuffed you were. Everybody must have been so chuffed from yeah. and how much I meant to him as well. Yeah, I I liked how he's the little clip of his dad as well. Now his dad didn't didn't um he just come down and sort of acknowledge him and a quick chat and then like disappeared almost to say like this is his moment because he was signing autographs at the time and fans were like celebrating him. I, I like that as well. It was like almost like I'm just gonna let him have his moment, but I want him to know like I'm proud of him. Kind of, we're gonna start crying in a minute. Anybody got anything else to say before we? Uh, this is like a Simon Bates, you know, our song thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It's nice, isn't it? It's like you it know, is, to, see, to see them. You know, I was thinking, like, I hope he stays on that pitch as long as he possibly can, because, um, and just drinks it in because what he's done is not something that happens. As I say, it doesn't happen often, and there's a. We said this about generally players who are playing professional football reasonably regularly. Men's football, at the age he is, generally those players go on to be something pretty special. Um, you know, he's, he's not playing in League One. He's not on loan in like League Two. He's playing first-team championship football there uh, against a team that was relegated from the Premier League last season um, and he didn't look out of place and you can say the same about Bellingham and people like that you know over the years you know, Bellingham we don't know what's we don't know what's going to happen with Chris Rigg obviously he's just signed a you know a scholarship um, deal at Sunderland when people were saying he might move on this this yeah. summer and whatnot but what it is a fair bet to say is that uh, he wouldn't be in the situation he is now, if he'd moved on over the summer, you know, he's, he's no. playing games, he's scored a couple of goals already, he's enjoying, uh, you know, a much better start to, a, you know, a very, very fledgling career because he's chosen to stay at Sunderland than if he joined, you know, Newcastle up the road or yeah. Man United or anybody anybody else because he would be a long way away from their yeah. first teams. Um, he just would, they wouldn't be able to give a player like him yeah. even, a, even a 10, 15 minute run out in a Premier League game, really. Um, so he's made the right decision, whatever happens two years down the line. He would stagnate. He would, play, he would play under-21s football for like three years, and then in about three years, probably when he got 19, 20-year-old, maybe even four years from where he is now, 19, 20-year-old, they might say, right, maybe think about a championship loan or something. That's what I was going to say. So look, look, at, look at how much football look how much football Dan Nails has played. Yeah. I hate a 20-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, insane amount of first team football, and we're talking we talking about Daniel reinventing his game already. We're yeah. saying there how he was one player, and now he's how to adapt and he's become a totally new player. He's twenty year old. Like it's yeah. mad that he's had he's had the time to do that. I think we're yeah. actually before we move on as well. A quick word for Hamir as well because I thought he was a little oh, bit more involved at, yeah. in the game. And I was it, I was good at when he didn't. It was a, when he didn't it was a good save. That, that be, it was a good save to be fair. He should have scored because obviously yeah. clean through on goal. You should. In, in the championship you should score really shouldn't you but it was a 
you know, it was a decent save to put by the keeper. To be fair, but um, he, made, side of him, wasn't he? he made some good. He made some good runs, and he got he touched the ball probably more in this game than he had in all the games he's been involved in so far. Um, you know, he could still probably, you know, run around a little bit more. I think, um, but when he got the ball, um, I thought he was he looked a lot more. A lot more at home, maybe. He looks a lot more uh, like the the player that looked that showed so much potential in preseason than he has in the in the league games where he's been involved up to now. But but obviously now as well, I know Stephen touched on it um, a few weeks ago about saying you know the crew game is the game that he should be playing and he should be coming off the bench. Now is probably unfortunately we're out of that cup now, um, but now is the opportunity with with the two strikers we've we've brought in for Hamia to be used as he should be at this stage in his career and not somebody who's relied upon as your main striker in the championship when he's you know he's got one goal in 21 games in in senior football in in Portugal um yeah. you, you know it's a big ask for somebody like that and to, to come and perform um under the pressure that he will be to deliver the results and you can he can be utilized as he should be now which hopefully which is a Hopefully, a good thing for well. For, we've always said, on you know, with the with the transfers and the young players, they just need a bit of help sometimes. Just need a bit of support. Yeah, being kind of few too many times I've seen it with some of these young players. Yeah, chuck them in the sink or swim, but sometimes you go, you know, at least give them some armbands. You know, at least give them a bit of help. And yeah. I think you know, I think me is definitely falls in that category of where you kind of go and he just needs a little bit of help. Um, just yeah. to get them settled in and sorted, and hopefully these players were brought in, I'll give them that opportunity. I think it's the, I think it's sort of credit to Tony Mowbray and his experience, really, that he saw Hemi was struggling, you know, uh, at the very start of the season, and so rather than just stick him up there and think, well, I've, this is my only striker, I've got to keep him going for at least seventy minutes per per game. By which time, if things aren't going right for him, fans can be on his back a little bit and think, well, who's this guy? He's not looking the part, you know, and whatnot. Mowbray said, well, I'll take it upon myself. You know, I've only got one striker, but I'll take him out of the side. I'll play Bellingham and and Dak. Um, you know, obviously Bellingham's young, but Dak's experienced in, in there. Um, and I'll just have to try and do it a slightly different way rather than do the easy thing, which is say, well, I've only got one striker, so I've got to play him and, and sort of watch him struggle. So the manager takes the responsibility or the head coach takes the responsibility and, and says, you know, it'll be my call rather than watch a young 19-year-old lad struggle. So I like that. Good, yeah. Right, okay. Take a quick break. I'm going to come back and we'll do five, ten minutes on the transfer deadline um, madness. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. We'll do some short plugging first, Gareth, because people might switch off by the time we normally do that. Yeah, we should probably start advertising that properly, shouldn't we, really? <laughs> it's true. It's yeah, very October. in general. Yeah, though. yeah. 6th of October at um, Pop Rex in Sunderland. Um, we're having our sort of 10 year anniversary party, so to speak, where we'll be joined by Kevin Ball, amongst other people who have been involved with Wise Men Say. People like hopefully James and Nick and Barnes and Phil Smith, people like that, hopefully be along for the evening, the day before the Middlesbrough game this is. Um, so if you go to wisemensay.co.uk or Eventbrite and search for the event, um, you can buy tickets uh, through Eventbrite for the event. They're about 13 quid, I think, with fees. Um, so make sure you get your tickets for that. It will be, we always have a nice time. Yeah, It'll be fun. Oh, it's good. And hopefully Borough's still doing as crap as they are now and everybody will be on a real, real high and in a real positive mood uh, about that game. Right. Um, just want to get people's thoughts really on... on. <laughs> I, I said they're like on quite like a mad transfer, uh, end of the transfer window. It wasn't really when everything settled down, if you just step back and like look at it, because there was always a chance Ross Stewart was going to leave. Didn't want him to, personally, and I don't hold any ill feelings towards him whatsoever. He wasn't on a good wage at Sunderland. They weren't going to pay him what a, uh, a strike of that calibre should. Now, whether that was justified in your opinion is fine because of his injuries or because we just don't have the budget for that and we don't want to skin ourselves, that's totally fine as well. But at the same time, I'm not going to hold any ill feelings towards him. And um, none of the other players actually did leave apart from Gooch in the end. Who Again, Satsiko, he can fill in so many positions Good in the dressing room, you know. I I didn't want these players to go. Danny Bart was a late one, wasn't it? Again, I kind of would would kind of come to terms with the fact that was going to happen. I think. Um, but I must say, on the Thursday night, it got a bit mental, didn't it? When it was like, right, Stewart's going to Southampton. Right, I think it looks like Roberts is going to go to Southampton. Jack Clark's not happy at Sunderland. Or Dan Neil like, might be going to Liverpool. It was just like <laughs> one point. I think you even said, Gareth, didn't you? Like, objectively, this is quite funny because I'd never seen anything like that. We're not normally heavily involved in the in the transfer deadline days. But at one point, James, God knows what was going through your mind about how many stories you might have to start. It just when it just was cra- crazy from, you know, from, from the morning right right up to the well, to the following, the early hours of the following morning. Um, and you could see the, you could see it crystallising over the day which deals were going to happen and which weren't. Um, but it was a, still a case of will it go through? And then, of course, there was a late scare about uh, um, Ross Stewart and people were saying, oh, is there a problem with the medical and this, that and the other? And I, you know, texted a, a friend of mine and, uh, you know, we were discussing that and he, and he was saying, no, I said, it'd be dead simple. It'd be Southampton trying it on and trying to renegotiate the deal at the 11th hour. You agree, 8 million quid. 
Um, and then you get the boy to do his medical and then you come back and you say, it's husband, oh, it doesn't look good. You know, you'll have to take five now and the rest on appearances. And so it's just, it just becomes a case of, uh, it, and this, this guy who, uh, you know, who's involved in, in um, agent work said, it's exactly what I'd do. That's what I'd do if I, if I was in that situation. And so it's a question, it becomes a, a case of, you know, who, who, can hold their nerve and say, if you Sunderland say, well, you're not getting him for a penny less than eight, and you know, and Southampton saying, well, you have to take five, and, and so on and so on. I'm not saying that that did happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's the kind of shenanigans. That makes sense, yeah. Late in late in the day, because everyone's getting panicky. Um, I mean, Southampton were offering uh, much bigger wages to Ross Stewart than Sunderland were prepared to pay. It wasn't just that there was a small gap between no. what Ross Times wanted by and ten, what- arguably. Uh, no, it wasn't quite quite that much, but you know, you you look at what Sunderland would be prepared to pay, and what Ross was being offered elsewhere, um, and and it wasn't close. So it's not as though you're thinking, well, for just a couple of thousand pound a week extra, you could have kept him. It, it wasn't like that at all. So I don't blame Ross for taking the best deal going. Um, I don't blame Sunderland for cashing in. I would have liked to have, have kept Ross, of course, like everybody else. I think he's one of, if not the best strikers in in the championship. Um, but you have to be realistic about about it, um, and you have to hope that the recruitment staff at Sunderland have done their job right, and that the people that they bring in, at least one of them, turns out to be someone that can fill Ross Stewart's shoes. Um, I mean, I remember when Ross Stewart came in, um, nobody knew anything about him. This guy came from Ross County, and people went, "Well, I don't know anything about him. I've never seen Ross Ross County play. I don't know much about him." And what? And this is the guy that's going to fill. Charlie White's place because Charlie White had scored 31 goals that season, hadn't he? Uh, and you think, what? And he's going to step in and fill Charlie White's boots, and and he did. So let's hope that we can say the same thing about the uh, Ukrainian lad uh, Nazari Rusin or uh, you know Mason Burstow. Um, you know, somebody, somebody like that. Let's hope that they can that they can step up. Um, but I think from Sunderland's point of view, this is the model now, isn't it? And Ross Stewart's the first player that's gone through that process where they've bought a player for not very much money. They've had some good value out of him on the pitch and then they've sold him on at a profit. And the key thing now is can they, can they replace him? Can they replace him and bring someone else? Because it's the, the, the nice bit for, for fans is to see all these young talented players come in. It's not so nice when you're seeing those talented players leave because you're not a hundred percent convinced that, the players that come in, particularly when you haven't heard of, of most of them before, whether they're going to um, whether they're going to step up, um, and that's where you have to show some faith in the model, I guess, because it's a, it is a leap in the dark for fans. And the problem for Sunderland fans is that for a long, long time, and I mean before uh, Sunderland adopted this model, before uh, um, you know Kirill Louis Dreyfus and uh, Christian Speakman and what have you came in, um, Sunderland's recruitment before that was absolutely shocking for a long time. Um, so Sunderland fans have become accustomed to being uh, disappointed, to put it mildly, with what happens. So obviously they're going to need to get things, to get, to get a few deals right, to get this, this cycle right a few times to to show Sunderland fans that actually, yeah, this does work. We, you know, we're not just uh, scattergun here. Um, so just have to hope that it, uh, that, that it comes off. Uh, I was disappointed to see Lyndon Gooch and Danny Bart go. Um, I yeah. think I think you need experience in that dressing room. I think one of the key things last season was was all those young, talented players. Your Ahmad's uh, obviously who's, who's not here this season, but your Jack Clark's and and uh, your Dan Neal's stepping up. 
but there were some experienced heads alongside them. Now there are far fewer experienced heads alongside them. Um, so you, you're asking more of those young lads. And they'll say, well, Dan Neal's now played a full season in the Championship. Jack Charles, Jack, not Jack Charlton. Jack Clark has now played a full, <laughs> that full would, season. Yeah. That, would, that would be that, that would be quite something. Um, but yeah, um, Jack Clark has now now got a full season with Sunderland in the Championship as well. Um, so they'll say, well, these are more seasoned than they were last year. But I still think you need that experience. Um, you look at Danny Bart, uh, it was clear what was going on there. Um, he got 49 league appearances uh, and suddenly drops out of the, the, the team and isn't playing in the league. And when someone's stranded on 49 or 99 or 149 or whatever, you know what's going on, don't you? And, and, and what would have been interesting, actually, given this, the, the the scenario, if he'd have been fit in April last year, would they have carried on playing say, in the league? What if he suddenly he was fit and he could have played in that second game against Luton where their tactic yeah. was just to air, bombard us aerially? aerially. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, that would have been a calculated gamble, wouldn't it? You'd have to say, well... Mm. No, I would say my guess is that there was some more money due to Stoke um, after 50 league appearances. So somebody somewhere would have to take a decision on whether um, whether it would be worth taking that gamble. As I say, these are the contractual conditions that you know none of us get to see these contracts. So I'm speculating here. But whenever a player has reached 49 or 99 appearances, it always makes you wonder, doesn't it? Well, I, th- I think the the pattern through the whole sort of process relating to this and you can go back to other players as well is less significant players even once we've decided what we're going to do with them that's it and they'll make a creative scenario in which it's really not possible for them to stay Um, and we've seen that I mean some people might say it's been negative or harsh but it's true I mean they've created a variety of scenarios for certain players where they've gone well you know your contribution on the pitch is somewhat insignificant now because we've decided that we either want to sell you. Um, I mean, other people say, you know, the, the thing that it, it does my head in a little bit, it's, you know, that the, some of the, the statements I make about players, like the statement about Ross Stewart and basically just said, oh, well, it was it became apparent he was never going to sign a new deal with Sunderland. It's like, well, yeah, because you were never going to offer him the money that he deserves. You're not saying... You don't phrase it that way. You don't go, we were never going to be able to meet the contract Ross deserves because that doesn't fit within our structure, so we're going to sell him. We've yeah. never intended to 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 be able to afford a player of that calibre because it's not what we're doing. They don't say that. They say, oh, the, play, the player was asking for too much money, basically, and it... I think that's yeah. really, I think that's really harsh because it's like that annoyed that annoyed that annoyed us because it was the word it was the choice. You're throwing people, throwing people under the it, bus and who've been and, and turn you kind of turn fans against these players and like really you're manipulating the situation for your own benefit. Um, yeah. and it, it it doesn't sit well. I, mean, I don't really like it very much. I um, just, but uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't like the word I didn't like the word indicate. Ross indicated his future yeah. lies away from here. So that to so. You, what is you know if somebody indicates something you infer something it's the same thing so that's just yeah. choice of language isn't it so he is inferred he doesn't want to stay because he didn't take the contract offer he was he was he was given it's very different to somebody saying i want to leave and i think yeah. the language choice would have been significantly different i mean ross Stewart, you know was on if they give ross Stewart, I've, 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 I've overdone it with times his salary by 10 but he was on 
an estimated two and a half grand. And he would be on significantly closer to ten than, than doubling his wages, that's for sure. Um, I mean if you I think if 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 you'd gave him like fifteen, eighteen grand, I bet he would have stayed. Like I bet he would have. Do you know what I mean? It, um, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, as I said, there was a, you're talking about a big jump between uh, when you say, say, said Stephen ten times his his, uh, his salary. I'm, I'm, I was talking about what some of them would be prepared to increase it to, oh, as opposed sorry, to exactly on what, what sellers right. will be giving them. Okay, okay. so, so, yeah. so, yeah, they, pro- they probably have increased it, you know, tenfold on on what he was on, but some of them would have given him a big increase. But Southampton blew that out out of the water. Um, but yeah, you. I mean, you're right. Whatever footballer, head coach, manager, whatever, you have to be prepared to pay the going rate, and that was what lost Sunderland Alex Neil last summer because they weren't prepared to pay the going rate for Alex Neil. So Alex Neil left and went to Stoke, who said, "Well, come and join us. You can have X amount of money." Um, and it's the same with Ross Stewart. And and if you're talking about a small amount of difference, if you're talking about the difference between, I don't know, just to pick figures out, out of fresh air, if you're talking about the difference between 15 grand a week and 18 grand a week, well, you know, it, it's money, but then you think, well, you know, this club against this club, you, you know, Stoke, Sunderland, uh, you know, Sunderland, Southampton. I know Southampton are, are favourites to, or one of the favourites to go back up. But you then start to to weigh up the, the situations, uprooting your family, this, that and the other. Um, but if you're talking about the difference between, I don't know, again, just click, picking figures out fresh, I'm talking about between five grand a week and £35,000 a week. Well, you know, you, you're miles out, aren't you? I get it. And I, and I think... But like I've said, I would almost just rather they were just clear about it and just said this is this is the thing. He's he's gonna break our weight structure. We've got this plan in place, we've got this process in place, we can't break it. I would prefer if they just said that. And yes, we're probably gonna have a moan and say, Well, that you know, you need to pay more. Like Tony Mowbray said, players players were knocking on his door and saying, Can you just give Ross Stewart what he's what he's worth stroke, what he's asking? So the, that's how much the players he valued him. Yeah. And well, got, the, saying, problem, the problem you've got, Stephen, the problem you've got then is if you give Ross Stewart, let's say for the sake of argument, you give Ross Stewart twenty grand a week, then you get Jack Clark knock on the course, door and say, well, hang on. And Mowbray <laughs> said that as well. This. He followed you, up by saying that. Yeah, he followed yeah, up by Patrick saying Robert that. Robert says, well, you're only giving me this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So there's a knock on. So, so you bend the rules for one player, and all right, you can say, well, yeah, but he's a striker, and I have to overpay to to do that. But suddenly. Everybody else wants not parity, but they want a comparable uh, increase. They say, "Well, I want an extra ten grand a week, or an extra five grand a week, whatever it might be." So, so it does cause you a problem. And Sunderland's model, to use that that word again, is not at that stage yet. Sunderland can't compete with, well, well, certainly can't compete with a, a just relegated Premier League club in terms of finances. But even teams that have been in the championship for five, six, seven years, you know, they, they can't compete yet with, or are not prepared to I mean, compete yet players, with those Chelsea, wages. They're selling players to Chelsea for 40 million quid, whatever it was. Well, on I, top I, of the agree, I agree with everything you said, James, but my point, like, and Stephen made the point before, and it's a point that I hold, it's I don't, why dress it up as something like, you You're know, right. we're big boys, big girls, just tell us. You're right. If you, if you want to right. do this whole, just say, like Stephen said, Within the, the stage of the plan we're at the moment, we can't facilitate this player um, for the for the wages that they've deserved. They've outgrown the club within within the structure that we're in. We're going to sell them, and hopefully we'll be able to reinvest that money um, down the line because that's all what we always wanted to do. And I think Peter would go, "I'm sad about it, but 
at least it, it presents the idea that this is the intention, whereas they don't do that. They kind of come out and yeah, kind of go like, well, we did try and keep him, but like, obviously, you know, he's, he wants to leave and it's like, well, but that's not the, there's no way that you didn't like, there's no way that had you given him a reasonable salary, you wouldn't have stayed. Um, so, just... so, so you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So they create a, they create a gray area between what they say which is which is what you you know what, what you said what they actually say, and what we all know is actually happening, yeah. and then there's uh, you know media and, and people like like myself that are left to bridge that gap and say right well this is this is what's going on here but the, but the club can always say well we never actually said that we never actually said that you know the, that's journalists are saying that but you know what do they know but we're bridging the the, the gap between what they're actually saying with a nod and with with a nod and a wink to what everybody knows is actually going on, you know? I just think it, it you know, the and it, it generates situations which is just stupid, like, well, so people kicking off because Ross Stewart hadn't said goodbye properly or something. You're like, well, are you fine? He has now. I know, but, has now. But, then, but then it's like, oh, well, oh, geez, being made to say it and all. It's just like, can you be bothered? Like, ultimately... Like the players that have left and, and and the ones who remain who were trying to get rid of were being eschewed out the door. Like you can't, they were because it's of our benefit. So yeah. it's not, you know, the, this is how it works. Like this is what we're doing. We've been trying to force, in a roundabout way, force players out the club um, that we, we've decided that we no longer want, want, want to facilitate for the reasons that it doesn't fit within the plan. Just say that. Yeah. Just yeah. say yeah. we're going to like, and and Mowbray has said that, you know, when he's come out and said about Bart and, and Gooch and um, Pritchard, that's basically what he said. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like he's saying he's saying the quiet bit out loud quite a lot of the time at the moment, and that's probably because he knows probably that he's not going to get his contract renewed at the end of this season, regardless of what he does at the end. You know, he could finish probably top of the prep, top top of the league and get promoted, and he'd probably still be moved on. So. Because there'll be some, you know, ex, sort of sexy, exciting foreign manager who's mm. was managing, you know, Sevilla B team mm. who but would have decided is really great, and we want to bring him in. So I I'm not, I'm not got, saying that's a bad got, or good thing. Got, I'm just saying it's... they've got a decision now with that though, because I think they not know how much these players absolutely love. Like I feel like if you can have all these young players and you. It's almost like he tells you about the words of wisdom that he's passing on to them, and that's what they yeah. need, isn't it? Rather than some young, yeah. wet behind the ears coach who doesn't have the same life experience as well. So we'll we'll not speculate on that too much. We've we've gone well over, but I feel like I don't know if we're gonna do a trans if we touch on this again and do something else later in a week or whatever. I, I, um, I do I do think no game, but... so sorry, I, I do I do just think that just as much as I said that the experienced players were a big part of it last year, I do think the experience of Tony Mowbray also matters a great deal to this squad. If you if you did have a you know 35, 40 year old uh, young coach from France or or wherever um, come over and who doesn't know the championship and starts to uh, put them in charge of, of the squad. I think you lose quite a lot. I um, and, and I and I, if I was in Sunderland's shoes, I would do everything I could to keep touring more. I agree. We'll see. We'll see how the season works out. But I think just before we go, we we I feel like we can't. People are going to be having a go at us if we <laughs> we mourned about the fact we don't have any strikers for months. 
because that's yeah. how long it's been. Let's not forget to act, not to acknowledge that we brought For to years. it. I think, yeah, I think everyone was probably crippled with fear that it looked like Rusin was going to get done, which is, it's been speculated for a while. And there was this like fear that like, please don't let that be it because like Ross Stewart's now leaving and they were just back to where we, back to where we were, but they did manage to get another in through the door. Can't say I know uh, lots about Mason Burstow from Chelsea, but the fact he's come on a sub for them twice in the Premier League, Premier League this season and he's, he started an AFL Cup game means he's close. The way I tr- I'm trying to be positive about this one as well is that Look at Tom Cannon, for example, at Everton. No, Everton have their problems and their issues. Can't score at all. And he said, can't score, can't score for Toffee, and I wouldn't have meant it. And um, yeah, I should have just not brought it up at all. Anyway, um, and yet Tom Cannon doesn't get anywhere near their team, which yeah. makes me think there's something about this guy, hopefully. And, and and the loan makes sense to me as well. What I wouldn't have wanted them to do is just go on, oh, we've got X amount for Stuart now, let's go on just suddenly buy him or him or him on that amount of money because that's not what they're about and that's fair enough. That's yeah. fair enough. I think on deadline day, it's difficult to get value at the best of yeah. times when people know that you've got cash in your pocket and it's burning a hole in your pocket and you need yeah. a striker quickly. You're better off hanging on to some of, at least some of that money until January when you, you know the pressure's off uh, a little bit. Um, or even the than, summer. If this guy, if this or, guy yeah, comes in and does, and, do, and does really yeah. well, then, then suddenly we, we'll take the opposite opinion and we won't yeah. be screaming striker at the end of every game. We'll be saying, actually, not required, as long as the yeah. two stay fit and they look all right. And the other one that I haven't seen anything of yet because he got injured straight away in in, in training is um, Eliza Mayenda. I think I'm saying that right. I'm not sure, but um, and who everybody that did see him and has seen, you know, um, has scouted him and seen him tells me, you know, looks looks like he's got a, you know, he's a decent player. Looks like he's got a good chance. So it'll be interesting to see how, how he is. I don't think he's that far away from fitness now. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, we sign some centre forwards, and we're happy. Yeah. And you know, we are you know, happy. What you'd say, being positive about Russin as well. You, you know, you look at his goal contributions and thirty-one goal contributions in forty-nine games. I mean, yeah. people are questioning the level or whatever, but you know, he's got a good pedigree in terms of his, um, you know, being involved with Ukraine age group teams. You know, he came through Dynamo Kiev's. Uh, um, books didn't he so look you don't know what you're going to get with these players but you know you don't you could sign somebody who's an experienced striker in this country who scored a hat full of goals at this level and then they'll be rubbish so yeah. you never know what you're going to get so let's yeah. just hope he, he and, can come and, in and and, and uh, you know and, and make an impact and you know yeah, we're all going and... well done you know at the end of it and I think also we, you know, yes, we are critical of one, have been critical of one person, particularly who's a face of this and whose decision making on putting pieces together don't always seem to match, and things that are said don't. We we question that's fair enough. What we've always done is acknowledge that Stuart Harvey, in particular, whose job it is to go and find these players, has done an excellent job, a really really good job, a very high success rate of the players he's bringing in are doing well. We've always said that. We've always said that. Yeah. So well done, him. Right. Go and buy a ticket for the live show. And as always, thanks for listening.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 